The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Buying high and selling low? Not the normal strategy for one high-profile investor who just took a $400 million loss on Netflix. Bucking the trend, Tesla topping estimates once again. And Musk and company are able to overcome plant shutdowns and supply chain shocks for yet another quarter. Spotify reportedly on the verge of losing a pair of very high-profile podcasters. And why Amazon could be the new home for the former first family. Calling it a hockey stick increase in demand? An historic year ahead for United Airlines. But then, could your summer flight be at risk because there's no fuel for the plane? We'll tell you why it could just happen. All happening on this Thursday, April 21st. And this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us on this balmy Thursday morning. It's 42 degrees. It's never going to warm up in New York, but hey, here we are. All right, let's kick off the hour with a check on the markets and your money. Right now, stock futures are a little bit hotter than the weather. They are higher across the board. NASDAQ futures up the most. In fact, up just over 1%. All that after a mixed day on Wall Street yesterday. In bonds, a 10-year yield is actually a touch lower than it was this time yesterday, sitting just under 2.9%. Oil also a little bit lower than 24 hours ago, but still above $103 per barrel. And in crypto, slight gains across the board. Bitcoin up nearly 2%. 2%. Well, not as much. Well, there's oil. Here we go. Bitcoin up about 1%, but still higher across the board. A quick check on this morning's stock of the day, and that is Tesla. Shares are surging after topping first quarter estimates for earnings and revenue. CEO Elon Musk saying despite plant shutdowns and supply chain issues, Tesla could still boost production by as much as 60% this year. We'll get much more in Tesla and its quarter a bit later on in the hour, but the stock is up 7% right now. All right, let's go around the world, and we have got a nice pop for stocks in Germany to talk about. Let's get that and your trade with Rosanna Lockwood, who is in our London newsroom. Good morning, Rosanna. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, a good news story for Germany, a very good news story for Switzerland and France. Not so much here in the UK this morning. The FTSE 100 in London, it is miners exposed, it's basic resources exposed. Rio Tinto, Anglo-American, there's stuff going on there with the surging commodities prices, problems with iron shipments to China as well. You've got the FTSE 100 down two-tenths of a percent. The Cat Cajon in Paris, up by one and a quarter French presidential election 
race ongoing. And as you mentioned there, the DAX in Germany up by around a percent. But an interesting story for Switzerland this morning, up half a percent. Nestle, that company confirming its annual targets after first quarter organic sales rose by 7.6 percent above expectations. The Swiss group saying it expects its full year underlying trading operating profit margin to be between 17 and 17.5 percent. It also says it will pass on those rising food costs to customers, adding it had already raised prices more than 5 percent. Nestle trading up one and a quarter of a percent. Also, look at net profit. Swiss engineering group, ABB, that topping forecast in the first quarter as well, jumping 20 percent. Also reporting strong orders of over nine billion dollars. But the group saying cash flow for the quarter came in at minus $573 million as ABB is looking to support deliveries from its order backlog. Currently up 5%, Brian. ABB getting more of an A-plus this morning. Rosanna Lockwood in London, thank you very much. All right, now, some of this morning's top stories stateside, including one that we first talked about on Tech Check yesterday. And apparently, it is confirmed Bill Ackman taking a very very large loss on Netflix. Silvana Hanau is here with that and more. Good morning, Silvana. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, that's right. Well, Pershing Square Capital Management founder and CEO Bill Ackman says his firm has dumped its stake in Netflix following Tuesday's brutal quarterly report. Pershing Square had been one of the company's largest shareholders following a more than 3.1 million share purchase back in January. In a letter to shareholders, Ackman says, quote, In light of recent events, we have lost confidence in our ability to predict the company's future prospects with a sufficient degree of certainty. Netflix shares yesterday closed at a four-year low after losing some $58 billion in market value. Ackman's paper loss on the investment, around $400 million. Elon Musk says the global inflation picture is far worse than the official numbers reflect. Speaking with analysts and investors on Tesla's earnings call last night, Musk believes the inflation surge is likely to continue for at least the remainder of this year, noting that some suppliers are requesting 20 to 30 percent cost increases for parts compared to this time last year. An Apple retail store at the Cumberland Mall in Atlanta, Georgia, has filed for a union election, a first for a U.S.-based Apple store. More than 70 percent of the location's 100 plus union eligible employees say they are interested in unionizing, according to a press release. And Brian, some of the employees say they were inspired by Amazon employees who tried to unionize a warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama. Feels a bit like a movement. It sure does. Thank you very much. You got it. All right. We'll see you soon. All right, back down to the markets and your money. And let's talk more about a single stock's ability to drag down the entire market. That, of course, is Netflix. Shares are coming off their worst day since 2004. And if you're hoping for a big bounce back, I'm sorry. They're down fractionally once again. Let's bring in Ryan Payne, president at Payne Capital Management. Ryan, maybe you don't care about Netflix. It did hit things like Disney, which is a member of the Dow, which then hurt the overall market. Is Netflix... Some kind of a macro market story, or is Netflix just its own soap opera? No, I think it is part of the macro story because Netflix is part of that growth crowd, right? That's been trading at a much higher premium to the market for a very long time. Because until yesterday, Brian, that stock was trading at 30 times forward earnings, which is just a huge premium to the market. So I think what it says is when it comes to growth stocks in general, 
buyer beware. You know, a lot of these stocks are still trading at high valuations, and we know inflation's real and growth stocks don't tend to do as well. And when Bill Ackman buys anything, you should always go the other way. But that's another story altogether. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if you look at Ouch. those good old-fashioned value stocks, <laughs> uh, like United now is going to be profitable for the year. Um, I think it's kind of the tale of two markets at this point. We are having the great reopening right now because I was just in the airport yesterday, quote unquote, doing research, really going on vacation. And if you look at people's just literally appetite for travel, everything's booked up. I mean, you can barely get a, a, a seat on a plane right now. Um, I think that's indicative of the fact that people have money to spend, wages are going up, and the economy is going to boom. And a benefit from that as an investor, you really got to be in that, you know, quote, quote unquote, great reopening trade, not those growth stocks that did well the last decade. Yeah, I, listen, I've seen the same thing. I fly a lot. The airplanes are packed. The airlines are packed. The airports are packed. But you do wonder, Ryan, with costs going up, 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 how long that could last. It sounds like you are not worried about the American consumer. I mean, it's the one thing strategists always get wrong. Never discount Americans' ability to spend. And you're hearing that right now. Most strategists are getting very dour on the economy. They're saying, you know, two-thirds of economists right now say we're going to go into a recession sometime in the next 24 months. But I think the reality of it is, Brian, inflation is actually going to come down a little bit because – you know, people were sitting home last year. They're buying Amazon uh, all day long, just buying goods. Now they're diverting all their spending to services. That's going to make supply chains ease a lot. We already saw uh, used car sales. Prices have come down dramatically at this point. And, you know, the bottom line is if you look at, like, food and energy, because we see this conflict going on in Ukraine, that's a really small percentage of what the American household spends now. It's like something like, respectively, 7 and 2% of their overall spend. So, you know, as some of that inflationary pressure goes away, wages stay strong. Uh, that's the recipe for a very, very strong economy. And to me, that looks like, you know, we're going to see solid GDP yeah. growth this year. And I, I, I suspect most strategists are going to get that wrong. Quickly, I know we got the music going, which is the, 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 the giant hook, like at the vaudeville shows of the 1930s. Any parts of the market you like more than others right now, Ryan? Quickly, please. I love international. Uh, you got to look at Europe. You got valuations are attractive there. Look overseas. There you go. Ryan Payne doing his homework at the airport. Ryan, maybe at the CNBC <laughs> shop. Thanks, Who knows? Ryan. Ryan, we appreciate you coming on. They, buying the $8 water. Thanks very much. All right, we are just getting started on this Thursday. And when we come back, the red hot real estate market, it is not just about housing. We'll take a closer look at the commercial side some record-breaking demand. Plus, we just talked about flying, why shares of United Airlines are surging in the pre-market. Later on, much more on Tesla. CEO Elon Musk's pay package just got a little bigger. He's got to feed his family. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. All right, welcome back. Let's talk real estate. No, not housing. The other hot market, and that is commercial real estate. Well, it's certainly faced a rocky road the last two years, and that's you know sort of an understatement. Demand is rebounding in a big way as more people return to the office and other workplaces. But rising rates presenting another new challenge for the sector. Let's kind of dive into it and get out the noise from the facts with Hassan Naji, CEO and president of Marcus and Millichap, one of the leading commercial real estate firms in the United States. And, you know, when I say things like this, I got to always remind our audience that half the country never locked down. So while a lot of people didn't go back to the office, a lot of people almost never stopped. And we just got to remember that being here in the Northeast. That aside, Hassan, what kind of demand are we seeing right now in the cities for commercial real estate? Because New York City, where I was just yesterday, still seems pretty empty on the commercial side. Morning, Brian. Great to be with you on the program. It is a very slow recovery for urban America as it relates to office space. We're seeing uh, tourism come back. We're seeing hotels open back up. But for office space, this uh, combination of virtual work and part time coming into the office from time to time has really dragged down the physical presence in, in offices in urban America. Suburban America, where a lot of people moved during the pandemic, uh, smaller cities outside of major metros where people uh, are now permanently moving to because of the benefits of not having to commute and so on are really benefiting in some pockets, Florida, Texas, we're actually seeing a shortage of office space and they're having to start new development. So it's, it's very different across the country. Uh, we believe that uh, over the next 24 months, you're going to see a lot more return to office. But this hybrid workplace, I think, is here to stay, reducing office footprint. I think uh, when you look over the next three to five years and we see things like a uh, record number of new business startups and, and the economy doing fairly well, notwithstanding the risk of uh, uh, probably a mild recession somewhere in the next two to three years. Um, overall, I think it'll offset each other. Um, thank God we're not overbuilding office space. But um, in, in the near term, it'll be painful. Well, it seems like the, the commercial real estate demand is like we talked about, Hassam, about two years ago. And, and you nailed it. And we talked about it right, which is sort of these low slung three story 1970s style suburban office buildings that were basically abandoned. People coming back into because everyone wants to drive. They've got parking lots. You don't need to ride an elevator. And by the way, they're cheap. And in an inflationary environment, you want to own hard assets. Hard assets like you know buildings, art, cars tend to go up in inflation. What demand trends are you seeing? Well, to your point, going back a couple of years, property types like apartments, uh, necessity retail—that's your fast food restaurants with drive-throughs and uh, grocery stores with drugstore anchors uh, very close by, self-storage, uh, which tend to have a lot of turnover. And you have uh, the opportunity to increase 
uh, your rents, along with an inflationary environment, tend to do better. Uh, so apartments and self-storage are very good highlights of those types of property types where not just because of inflation, but because of underlying demand uh, with young adults now coming into the workforce uh, after the pandemic and a lot of renters by yeah. choice, people who could still live in a home but choose to be in apartments uh, are, are showing record absorption. We had the largest level of yeah. apartment demand in the first quarter ever recorded. So it's indicative of why inflation is actually what? a good thing for for those property types. Why is we just showed the map? I get Miami, maybe San Diego. Why is Cleveland hot? <laughs> well, Cleveland, uh, from an office space perspective, the rank, I believe the rankings that you're showing are based on uh, office space uh, vacancies, and so you have some markets out there like Cleveland that to have a decent economic picture, you know, not certainly not a, a major growth market from a demographics perspective or job growth, but not bad either. Uh, they're, they've reinvented their economy yeah. over the last couple of decades, but they've not built any office space. So when you look at just pure vacancies as an indication, uh, there are many markets like that that really show up looking favorable. Cleveland rocks, as they say. All right, Hassam Naji, Marcus and Millichap. Hassam, we always appreciate your views. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Cleveland, the, the new growth market. I like it. All right. Still to come here on Worldwide Exchange, your morning RBI on why lower mortgage rates could actually hurt housing in the long run. And then call it the Big Mac battle. Carl Icahn looking to recruit some big names in his fight with McDonald's. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. All right, welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. Three key stock stories that are happening right now. Stock number one, that is McDonald's. Carl Icahn telling the Wall Street Journal, BlackRock, and other big fund managers who are focused more on what they call ESG investing should back his proxy fight. Icahn has nominated two directors to McDonald's board and is seeking to change how its suppliers house and treat their hogs. Icon says BlackRock and others are putting too little emphasis on animal welfare. It is a burger chain. Stock two, Carvana. Shares are wrecked. One point down as much as 26%. The used car retailer reporting a wider first quarter loss on its first ever drop in sales. Carvana says it will also raise capital as it deals with disruptions in its operations and a tougher economy. 
And stock three, Lamb Research, third quarter earnings and revenue missing forecasts as it faces additional costs to secure parts, all of its supply chain challenges. That stock's slightly higher right now. Well, if you are planning to fly this summer, there's a few things that you know right now. Number one, masks are no longer required. Well, at least pending that new CDC challenge to a judge's ruling that came down last night. Two, the airports are going to be crowded, like really crowded. So get there early. And three, ticket prices may be high, like really high, in part because jet fuel costs are very high. In fact, recently hitting a record. But here's something you may not know. If things don't get a lot better with jet fuel inventory, your flight may not even take off. Not because of prices, but because the airport may not have any jet fuel. That's right. There is growing concern about regional shortages of jet fuel, particularly right here in the Northeast. That is because jet fuel inventories from Philly to Boston are at or near record lows, since data began being collected back in 1990. Latest date is January, and look at that. And it's happening because of two reasons. Number one, of course, strong airline demand, and also reduced output. Some refineries switch over to diesel fuel, which is in shorter supply or more profitable or both because of Russia's sanctions. And while jet fuel shortages are not likely everywhere, there's no need to panic, there are some airports that are readily, already reportedly reporting running a bit low in ones to watch. In fact, Andy Lipow of Lipow Oil Associates told us that jet fuel was being trucked just yesterday from Ohio into Albany, New York and Philadelphia airports, as well as being trucked in from lower Virginia into Boston's Logan. I asked him if that was normal and he wrote me back and this is a quote. It's about as normal as rain in the Sahara. So they're trucking jet fuel in. So if demand stays strong or grows this summer and refinery output doesn't pick up, you may want to double check on that flight, especially in Philly, New York, and Boston. I'd say it's random but interesting, but it's actually a little more sad but true. Just keep an eye on that flight. All right. Let's get a check down some of this morning's other top headlines, including another sad story out of Ukraine and the apparent fall of the city of Mariupol. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with that and more. Good morning, Francis. Brian, good morning to you. Yeah, Russian President Vladimir Putin is calling the military operation in Mariupol a success while pulling back on plans to storm the Zovstal steel plant in Mariupol. That's where Ukrainian fighters are holed up. There are 2,000 troops trapped inside. Putin said it's better to seal Ukrainian forces off instead. The Department of Justice has appealed a federal judge's ruling that ended the mask mandate on public transportation. This comes after the CDC said masks are still necessary amid a rise in COVID cases. While not required on planes, Amtrak, Uber, Lyft, and in most states, some cities with higher COVID cases are still requiring masks in mass transit settings. A pregame show before the Washington Nationals baseball game prompted a brief evacuation of the U.S. Capitol. Initially, Capitol Police said they were tracking an aircraft that posed a, quote, probable threat to the complex. Well, the airplane was part of the Nats' military appreciation night performance where members of the Army's Golden Knights parachuted into the stadium, which is just blocks away from the Capitol. An Army spokesperson says it is reviewing whether the flight was coordinated properly. The FAA will conduct a thorough review of the incident. Ryan, for Thursday, those are your headlines. We send it back to you.
I've got a headache. I mean, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So let's be clear. You've got the Army flying into a Washington Nationals game on Nationals Fan Appreciation Day to have Army paratroopers parachute into the stadium and they evacuate parts of Congress because nobody told them that an army plane was going to fly over? Am I hearing that right? Yeah, you would think that whole January 6th thing, right? That whole January 6th thing would be a little bit of a reminder. Speaker Pelosi was like, this is outrageous. This is inexcusable. So they're going to look into it, make sure it doesn't happen again. There's like 5 million people who work for the federal government. You'd think that one of them could have sent an email. Hey, we're going (laughs) to drop in some army rangers to the baseball game tonight. Don't sweat the plane. Francis, thank you very much. Sure thing. (sighs) DC, folks, it's the biggest company in the world. All right, as we head to break, check out Big Blue. It's in the green. IBM coming off its best day in two years after strong earnings and some analyst love on Wall Street. We'll be right back. All charged up. Tesla electrifying Wall Street again with its record first quarter results blowing past the Shanghai shutdown. We'll get the bull case from one top analyst. DeSantis versus Disney. Florida passing a new bill stripping the Magic Kingdom of its self-governing status, raising some big questions around a billion dollars worth of some debt. And cannabis stocks up in smoke. But could a potential pop come as another state rolls out legal marijuana? It is Thursday, April 21st, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Thursday morning. Just about 5.30 a.m., about 42 degrees in New York. It's never going to warm up. Put on a coat. I'm Brian Sullivan. All right, let's, here's how the market and your money looks right now. At least stock futures looking a little bit better than the weather here. We are seeing Dow futures up about 200. NASDAQ futures are higher on a percentage basis, up about a half a percent. So maybe a big tech rebound today. All right, some of this morning's top corporate stories that are happening right now. A fight between Ron DeSantis and Disney heating up as one of Florida's governor's threats moves one step closer to reality. The state said it yesterday, passing a bill that would eliminate Wall Street Disney, or Walt, Wall Street, Walt Disney's world's self-governing status and do away with a special tax district that allows Disney to self-govern. That's around the area of Orlando, where its theme parks have called home since the 1960s. The vote of 23 to 16 in favor is in response to the company's opposition to a new state law limiting discussions of sexuality issues to kindergarten through third grade students. Apple spent a company record $2.5 million on lobbying efforts in Washington in the first three months of this year. According to a filing out yesterday, that spend was up more than 34% compared to the fourth quarter of last year and tops Apple's previous quarterly lobbying spend of $2.2 million set back in 2017. For comparison, Alphabet's Google spent $2.9 million in the first three months of this year, while Microsoft reported spending $2.5 million. Some good times on K Street. No wonder the D.C. real estate market is doing so well. Finally, Barack and Michelle Obama's time with Spotify may be coming to an end. 
The former First Family's production company, Higher Ground, will reportedly not be signing a new deal with Spotify. According to Bloomberg, the Obamas are instead speaking with other distributors about a deal worth tens of millions of dollars, including Amazon's Audible and iHeartMedia. The deal is said to be one of the most lucrative in the podcasting business. I'm telling you, D.C., it's the biggest company in the world, capital of money. All right, time now for your morning RBI. And today, let's get random but interesting on housing and interest rates, because you know, of course, that mortgage rates are on the rise quickly, in some cases back above 5%, and maybe likely to go higher as 10-year bond yields keep rising. And there is a lot of growing concern about what those higher rates may do to new buyers coming into the housing market. Will 5% mortgages crush affordability and keep those wannabe buyers renting? It's a real worry. But... There's a huge other part of the story that maybe not enough are talking about. And that is what those rates may do to current homeowners, especially those of you with locked in interest rates. All right. You're thinking, well, I'm I'm locked in. Why do I care what happens to rates? Well, because there's a real risk. It may keep you and millions of others from moving. Look at this data from Black Knight and Axios showing the number of mortgages by interest rate. A few hundred thousand of you, you got a rate less than 2%. Well done. About 29 million more are under 3.5%. About 9.5 million more with mortgage rates under 4%. It's about 38 million total mortgages that are under 4%. Or about 72% of the entire mortgage market. Put another way, about three out of every four homeowners who has a mortgage, many people own their homes outright, has a mortgage at far lower rates than what they would get today. The good news, Fannie Mae says that 92% of current homeowners say their home is affordable. That's in large part thanks to those low rates they may have locked in. So, while being locked in is a good thing, could that also lock people in to never moving? Because moving means you're not only going to be able to be buying or renting in a new home but a still hot market, but also buying a home at a likely much higher mortgage rate. Ultimately, we don't know how the housing market's going to shake out with these higher rates, but we do know that tens of millions of people are sitting on mortgage rates they may not see again for years or ever. And you just kind of wonder what that could do to housing and home sales this year. Call it the downside of low rates and being locked in. Random and hopefully interesting. All right, coming up, more of your morning's big money movies, including shares of an airline, taking off as more people return to the skies. But first, as we head to break, some of your other top stories right now. Federal regulators formalizing their investigation into the safety of Lucky Charms cereal, adding a probe to its list of ongoing food safety outbreaks. The FDA is saying it's received more than 230 complaints from consumers over getting sick after eating Lucky Charms. Huh. Ford giving drivers a look into its electric ambitions for its Lincoln line. The automaker unveiling a new concept SUV called the Lincoln Star as part of its plan to introduce four new electric vehicles to the brand by 2026. And Amazon taking new steps to compete with the likes of UPS and FedEx. Amazon launching a new service, Buy with Prime which will let third-party merchants use Amazon's shipping and logistics network to fill orders on their own sites. Huh. Stock futures 
They're up. Oil's at 103. We're glad you're up with us, and we're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Let's get three more big money movers happening now. Shares of United Airlines, they're moving sharply higher in the pre-market. The company says it expects to return to profitability this year for the first time since, you know, the pandemic. Here's CEO Scott Kirby speaking with Phil LeBeau last night. It really was changes demand. I've never seen in my career, and I've been in this industry a long time, such a hockey stick increase in demand, leisure demand, but also business demand. We actually expect business tra- our business revenue, uh, book business revenue, to be above 2019 levels uh, in just a few weeks. For the second quarter, United forecasting a 10% operating margin and its highest quarterly sales in company history with revenue per passenger mile called RevPAR. Up 17%. Shares of sleep number are down after reporting first quarter results that fell short of analyst estimates. The company says sales of mattresses were down 7% in the first quarter from a year ago as semiconductor supplies remain constrained. Remember, it's kind of like a mechanical bed. So apparently there are semiconductors in those mattresses. That's random but interesting. And shares of CSX are higher ahead of the open. The railroad company topping sales estimates for its most recent quarter, $3.4 billion versus $3.3 billion expected. There's something about a train that's magic. But perhaps your biggest big money mover of the day is Tesla. That stock is rallying after the company's first quarter profit blew away analyst estimates. Revenue jumping 81% to more than $18 billion, thanks in growth to car sales, because they sell that's what they do. They sell cars and higher average prices. That's even as the company says its factories are running below capacity because of supply chain woes. On the earnings call, CEO Elon Musk, who, by the way, was on the earnings call, was mum about his bid to buy Twitter. Let's break it all down now with Philippe Pouchois. He is managing director and auto analyst at Jefferies. He joins us now on the phone. Philippe, good morning. How good, good morning. was the quarter? Well, I think the quarter was very good, as you mentioned. I mean, they basically all the key metrics were comfortably exceeded, particularly on the on the free cash side. But for me, what caught my attention was the fact that actually the average revenue per unit wasn't higher than it was in the second, fourth quarter of last year. But the cost of goods sold per car was significantly lower, and which is both a sign, I think, you know, they get volume in, so their depreciation per unit goes down, but also... Um, they've managed to control the cost of inflation, and I think they continue to surprise with the efficiency of their manufacturing. So the, the price increases um, will impact the revenue for the rest of the year, whereas right now it felt like you no know, you know, revenue was okay, price was okay, but the cost is where the outperformance came from. My guess is that most Tesla buyers, maybe most EV buyers, still tend to be upper income folks, right? I mean, the cars are, are not cheap, ultimately. Uh, do they have unlimited pricing power, Philippe, or is that competition in sort of the middle market starting to hit them? It does not appear it is, but at some point, will it? Or is Tesla the apple of cars? Mm. Well, I mean, there are a number of analogies you can make between Apple and Tesla, no doubt. But still, I think in the Q&A, it must know, acknowledge that this, this, this inflation environment we have um, is an issue for affordability, an issue for adoption. Um, at some point, if we want to move out of this relatively niche premium pricing point, uh, the industry needs to be able to 
uh, get the cost down. Consumers have to be able to settle for maybe you know, less range and more frequent charging of their cars. There are a number of drivers that need to be put in place. Otherwise, it will remain a, a quasi-luxury product, and therefore we will not have this transition that, that we'll hope to see into cleaner energy. And uh, I think Tesla was you know, a couple of times reiterated their, their mission is to improve affordability. Right now, they're doing the opposite. It feels like they are tactically raising pricing yeah. to offset raw material, but I think it's a tactical move for 2022. I think from 2023 on, um, they need to go back into driving more affordability. And what they're doing, for example, in insurance is an interesting example. If they can lower your insurance, it all participates yeah. in improving affordability for the cars. It takes a lot of mining to make electric cars, right? You've got to mine all these different ingredients for the batteries, particularly lithium. Lithium costs, Philippe. I don't want to say they're out of control. I mean, but they've, what, doubled or tripled in the last year? Uh, is Tesla able to secure all the, the rare earth minerals it needs to build its giant batteries? Yeah, I mean, it is an issue for the whole industry. I think where we need to give Tesla credit, and Elon Musk in particular, is how he is you know, fairly transparent as an individual. He talks a lot. He talks about things that are going to happen, and he's usually right. And uh, two and a half years ago at the Battery Day, he did warn quite you know, clearly about this issue of uh, raw material availability, um, the price swings we may see. And, and so far, I think they've done two things. So they have seemed to have secured more, more raw materials than anybody that appears, which is more critical for them. But they've also led the way into this adoption of LSP battery chemistry, which, again, because it's broader based in terms of materials needed for those battery chemistries, um, they may better navigate some yeah. of the species we've seen most recently on nickel. Uh, so, again, I think it's always worth listening to Elon Musk because he does tell you a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and certainly his, his, his warning about availability and volatility of pricing was spot on uh, more than two years ago now. Yeah. Something to listen to now, but Tesla always seems one step ahead of everybody else. Philippe Pouchois with the 1250 target, so obviously a buy, about 210 left of upside. Philippe, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. By the way, Tesla's record quarter proving beneficial for Elon Musk's own bottom line. Musk hitting a trio of compensation goals worth a combined $23 billion in new compensation. This quarter's results combined with the previous three quarters' results surpass milestones that trigger the vesting of the 9th through the 11th of 12 tranches of options granted to Musk back in 2018's pay package. That latest compensation for Musk, who receives no salary from Tesla, must be certified by the company's board. All right, on deck, our friend Jeff Kilberg with some stock picks. He says they may be boring. But they have been taken off like a rocket this year. Hey, making money is sexy. Boring but sexy. It's a new segment, BBS. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss the show every day, we forgive you. You can listen to it anytime on Apple, Spotify, or other podcasting apps. Stock futures are up. Remember, Tesla up, market up. That's kind of your rule. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back and good morning. There's a 50% chance I'm going to be off tomorrow because New Jersey officially becoming the latest state to begin legal sales of recreational marijuana beginning today. And that could provide some fresh life for cannabis stocks, which have struggled over the past couple of years. Frank Holland joining us now in New Jersey, 
A big day for the Garden State, growing not just corn, Frank. A lot more than corn growing in in the Garden State these days, Brian. Good morning. (laughs) You know, cannabis stocks, they continue to be under pressure, both down double. uh, The MJ Canadian-focused ETF down double digits. The MSOS U.S.-focused ETF down double digits. But a lot of people think what you're seeing here behind me could be a big spark for those stocks in the industry overall, the opening of adult-use sales. Here in the state of New Jersey, right now we're at the Rise Store. This is owned by Green Thumb Industries, one of those U.S. MSOs. And you're seeing lines out here already before the store even opens up at 6 o'clock. New Jersey now becoming the 18th state to allow adult use sales. Long lines like this expected throughout the day. Um, You know, the CEO says he's expecting a very festive atmosphere. A lot of people get their first opportunity to purchase cannabis legally close to home. And there is expected to be a lot of that traffic coming from New York City and Philadelphia down in South Jersey. New York has also legalized adult use, but those sales are not expected to begin until later this year. In PA, it's really unclear if or when adult use will be permitted. Today, all eyes on New Jersey, a state that will likely see higher prices than the national average because of demand exceeding supply for coming months. We also spoke with the executive director of the New Jersey Cannabis Commission. He expects dramatic growth for adult use. And just to kind of give you a sense of some of the demand that we could see coming from New York City and Philadelphia, here's a map. It's showing you the over 21 population of those states by 2025. Obviously, those numbers are just a bit lower now. New Jersey also saying it expects to see some cannabis tourism, but is asking people that cross state lines to come here and buy cannabis in stores like this to stay. Uh, of course, it is still illegal to cross state lines with cannabis. We'll have to see what happens today, especially what happens with the stock. Uh, about 70 to 80 percent of cannabis stocks are owned by retail investors. And sites like you're seeing right here can uh, sometimes generate a lot of enthusiasm and lead to a rally in those stocks. Brian, back over to you. Yeah, Frank, I saw you at the conference the other day talking, or yesterday I think it was, talking with the Tilray CEO. Yeah. So, listen, obviously look at the line there. I mean, a lot of demand, pop a few gummies, order Grubhub, stay home. Don't drive, by the way. Do not drive and do not cross state lines, apparently. What's wrong with the stocks, though, Frank? I mean, Tilray was a $178 stock. It's now five and change. There's clearly demand. So where's the disconnect? You know, it's a huge disconnect. One of the disconnects is that stocks like Tilray, that trade on major exchanges, they can't sell here in the U.S. They don't have a license to sell in the U.S. Only U.S. multi-state operators can sell in the U.S., but they don't trade on major exchanges. So there's a lot of liquidity issues for these U.S. stocks. And then when it comes to Canadian stocks, they're under a lot of pressure because there's so much competition. In Canada, there are literally thousands of operators, some of them even selling at a loss just to stay in the game, while the other, about 50 percent of the market is controlled by those larger operators like Tilray, Canopy, and Aurora. So up there, it's a competition issue. Down here, it's a liquidity issue. Just a lot of different fundamental issues with these stocks. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Demand is up, but if everybody's growing, maybe nobody's making any money. Frank Holland, that uh, clearly no. a lot of demand, uh, long lines. A lot of demand, buy some recreational pot. Lot, lot of, I hope the ETF, by the way, Frank, has like Taco Bell in it. Like, shouldn't this be cannabis? It's got to be the whole thing. Because I'm told. <laughs> Brian, I, you, you kind of sound like hungry. Joe yesterday. I was on Squawk Box. Are, are you sharing your, your own playbook? I don't know, man. Got a lot of insight on this. Somebody's been to about fifty. I've been to. I'm just going to say this. I've been to about fifty Grateful Dead or Dead and Company shows. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm told you get hungry. We got a lot of deadheads to see. Frank Collin, you're not the only one, Brian. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with it. Hey, John Mayer is actually a lot better than people thought. Frank, thanks very much. 
All right, let's get back down to the markets and bring in one of our friends who has got a few boring stocks that are looking red hot so far this year. Jeff Kilberg is the chief investment officer at Sanctuary Wealth. He is a CNBC contributor. And, you know, Jeff, you and I talked months ago. I'm not going to say we were the first. I don't know if we were or not. But last September, I think it was. I know I was. We were talking about fertilizer companies and because of natural gas prices and things like that in Europe, it takes a lot of fertilizer, I would imagine, to grow cannabis. You recommended Nutrien, NTR, and ADM. They've crushed it. They absolutely have, Silly. Those are two names you typically don't think about when you're looking at the best performance of the year. You absolutely hit Nutrien and Archer Daniel Midland. So you look at two stocks that certainly have enjoyed the commodity push higher, but it's also about the essentiality theme. And as we really had a hard time measuring the actual reopening of our global economy, because we've had so many different variants. I'm not going to bore you to death, but we talked about Delta, Omicron. Who knows what the next variant may be? But we actually are now seeing this global reopening. So names like Nutrien, names like Archer Daniel Midlands, those are boring, but those are really where you're seeing investors flock. We've beaten the drum so many times here, Sully, that boring is the new sexy. But it's absolutely true when you see the undervalue. You're seeing investors and shareholders. And that's what I get excited about today. We have a nice cross-section coming at us. If you look at some of the names, if it's Union Pacific, if it's American Airlines, Dow, Chemical, all these different names are kind of helping us better understand of what this reopening really looks like. But yes, we are seeing this industrial boring <laughs> tilt come to fruition. I just picture somebody in like the corporate PR department of Dow Chemical saying, hey, boss, let, let's go with bring sexy back and license Justin Timberlake's song. And we'll use that as our our marketing slogan. JT I mean, will be booked at every really is, party moving forward in 2022, unequivocally. Oh, it's going it's to be like a, the Union Pacific holiday party. Justin Timberlake, <laughs> everybody. I mean, but hey, guess what? Good for him and good for UNP. It's nice to see companies who actually make stuff do well. Absolutely. And you think about Peter Lynch. We all talk and, and follow Peter Lynch in the 1980s. By what you know, we just took it a step further. You know, I managed the portfolio of the Essential 40 ticker E-S-S-I-X, but that essential 40 portfolio really speaks to what we use, what's critical to the U.S. economy, American yeah. way of life. And some of these names you kind of just forgotten about, right? You look at waste management, you think about international paper, some of these different names that you just didn't give a lot of love to, or they forgot, got forgotten about, but the Lockheed Martins, the Boeings, you do see a resurgence, you are seeing investors really tilt this this grappling, this wrestling match between value and growth, it's so evident. We have seen such a dislocation. Look, just yesterday when you saw, I know the NASDAQ futures are coming back this morning, but this yeah. dislocation persists. So you have to be a stock picker. I'm a big believer that in 2022, you continue to be a stock picker. But this volatility, it's a great opportunity. And I stay cautiously optimistic about earnings season. A lot of people are pretty skeptic. Yeah. We saw a, a range bound in the S&P 500, but I think there's a lot of opportunity. As long as you understand, you have to stay away from certain black eyes like the high flyers like Netflix. Netflix punched a lot of people right square in the teeth. But yeah, I think oh. you have to learn from that and you have to be repositioned for an inflation type of hedge portfolio. And that's where some of these boring names really play a nice part for an inflation hedge in any portfolio. Every day, Jeff Kilberg bringing sexy back. But look at the names like a Nutrient, an ADM, an IBM, a United Airlines. And we appreciate it, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sully. All right. All right, you're very welcome. All right, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We'll see you tomorrow, 5 a.m., Squawk Box. Picking it all up next. Dow futures are higher. Have a great day.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.